My guest expert this week is my good friend, Austin Napierski. How are you, Austin? I'm good, man. Yourself? How you been? Not too, not too bad. Not too bad. What have you been up to lately? Just hanging out, just going to school, working, yeah. living, living the college life as, as one does at BYU, right? Yeah. So what do you study at BYU? I'm a neuroscience major right now. And oh, okay. Minoring, I'm kind of heading in a pre-law direction, but we're still trying to fi- trying to figure out exactly what we're going to do with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I almost did that for a little while too. Not the neuroscience, but the law. <laughs> so, <laughs> gotcha. so what have you been doing for work lately in terms of your church? Um, in terms of my church, um, I mean, I got back from what we call a mission a year ago. Uh, it was like a year ago, two weeks ago, I think. Um, and since then, I've mostly been just doing things to kind of maintain kind of a little community. I've been, me and some of my friends have been hosting a little like, something like a Bible study type thing every week, getting people together. We get like a decent crowd, like 70 or 80 people out every week, which is pretty cool. Um, which is, and it's also not that hard because there's a lot of members of the church or Mormons um, here in Provo. Uh, BYU is kind of the, the, the hub for for people like me that have just got home from missions and come home and it's kind of stereotypical that everyone like looks for wives and stuff, but uh, we're just kind of hanging out, um, just learning about Jesus. And that's kind of what we've been doing a lot since we've been home. I, I was released as like an official missionary of the church back in March. Um, and since then, I've just been kind of doing my own thing, you know? Okay. So for the people that don't understand what a mission is in the Mormon church, uh, could you explain a little bit about what it is, why you do it, and wh- what did you do for yours? Yeah, so basically a, a mission is you're called somewhere, and both men and women, uh, once you hit the ages like 18, 19, um, you're allowed to go. You just have to go through a little, do some medical checkups. They go through a what they call like a worthiness um, interview to make sure that that you're adequate to because we consider it a sacred responsibility to like represent Jesus. And so they make sure you're worthy and you've been like behaving yourself. So you don't just go out and uh, kind of trash on everything. Right. Um, so you kind of get in that situation and you go out and just for two years or 18 months or however long you need to, I, I was out for 19 months um, and you just go out and you, you teach people about Jesus. If they want to learn, you help serve them if they need it. And you just get assigned to somewhere. So I went to a place called Ciudad Juarez, Mexico. If you know where El Paso is, it's right on the other side of the border. If you played the Borderlands video game, you should know it all, know it all right. Um, and so I, yeah, I spent 19 months there. Um, just I did a lot of the teaching, teaching about Jesus. We had to be a little bit cautious with some of the service stuff that we did just because um, there was a lot of, of drug influence there. And so we tried not to get too entangled in certain circles. Um, but, but yeah, that, that's, that's basically what I did. What was like a typical day there in Mexico for you when you were, uh, doing your missionary work? Um, I'd get up at six 30. Um, I do like, I'd like work out for 30 minutes, get ready for the day. Um, I do like, we'd call it personal study and companionship study. Cause we live with a, a person, like another missionary always. Like we always have to be, we like go to and to everywhere. Um, and so we'd have a personal study, we'd have a companionship study, which we'd like study the lessons we'd be teaching, or we'd be thinking about the people that, that we've been talking to recently. 
um, and how we can help them, what, what's best going to help them achieve their goals that they're trying to do with relation to, to Christ or anything like that, or what service projects we have planned for the day. We'd plan all that out. Um, we do a language study because um, probably about half of the people where I was serving, they were like Americans and so didn't know any Spanish. So we had to grind in an, an hour of like Spanish every day, hour of the companionship study and an hour of, of personal study. Then at 11 o'clock, we'd be out. Um, some places for their missions, they'd have cars and stuff, but we we didn't even have bikes. We were all, all walking everywhere. Um, so you'd get dirty shoes and sweaty shirts and dusty everything. But I mean, it was, it was fun. You just talk to people on the street. Um, we weren't personally allowed to knock doors again, cause it's not the safest spot, but missionaries are pretty typically known around the world for door knocking and being those like hand in hand with salespeople. So, um, I, I spent a lot of time just talking to people. We talked to them, schedule appointments with them, teach them, serve, and we'd get back to the, to the house at, at nine. We'd, we'd go to one of the members of the church over there. We'd go to their house for a, a lunch and then we'd be off again and until until 9 p.m. and be back in the house. We'd like go home, reflect on the day a little bit. Zoink because we were tired. <laughs> we'd be out. So what was like the typical response from locals there that like either had never seen a couple of warm, uh, handsomely dressed Mormons walking down the street or are like very Catholic or like what? What was the, the average response? Yeah, so, so where we were was a very heavily Catholic area. Um, but they were also of, they were kind of of a Catholic belief that they're just Catholic just because their their family has been for centuries, right? Or I guess, I guess centuries, honestly. Um, and so they just were kind of Catholic by by blood. And so you they'd see that they knew who the Mormons were, depending on how, kind of ghetto the neighborhoods were where you are if you were kind of in like middle middle to low class neighborhoods because there were honestly weren't that many like really high class or anything like that I mean um just considering where we were but if you were kind of the middle to low class neighborhoods people would know who who you were and they'd just call you the Mormons they'd be like oh it's the Mormons or if you'd like talk to them they'd just be like no I'm not interested like I have my church I have my religion like we're good but then in like really ghetto places they just either be like drunk and coming up to you and like trying to like hug you and stuff or they'd just be yelling that they'd just be yelling American you get like cursed out every once in a while just because some people are angry for no reason but I mean it happens it happens to the best of us so yeah there's always going to be those kinds of people with that attitude no matter who you are or what you're there for right 100% so I feel like with most fa with most families, when you're a kid, at least with most devout families that I've known, like at, growing up, you have this feeling like, oh, how come Jimmy's family doesn't do the same thing? Why why don't they do this or this or this? Do you know? Do you understand what I mean? Kind of. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I want I want to ask you, when did you know that this was something that you really was really important to you? and and something that you loved and wanted to be a part of honestly it didn't happen till like right towards the end of of my senior year like I, in high school like people knew me as like the mormon right it was like me and like i mean because there weren't many people and we we're like from utah and like if you're from utah you're automatically the mormon there right 
Um, but like, it wasn't necessarily something that I wanted to incorporate into my life really far extending into the future. Like it was just kind of, I was living at home, kind of felt the obligation to like go home and like do that stuff because my parents were, I was living with my parents. They were helping me out kind of a rule in, in our family. Right. My parents never were really pressury about like, okay, you have to go on a mission or you have to get married by the time you're 18 or like any of that stuff, you know, kind of the stereotypical stuff that you hear. Um, but they were like, okay, yeah, you, you should go to church. Right. And it's kind of, if you're, if you're living under our house, you're going to church type of thing, which is, which is great. Like I'm, I'm grateful for that, but it came to me when I had my entire life like planned out and none of my plans went the way that they, I thought they were. And I didn't get into any of the schools that I thought I was going to get into. Um, I was just pissed. <laughs> I mean, I had worked pretty hard in high school. And so when I didn't get into anywhere that I wanted to, I was like, what? I have to go to like someplace in Utah. Cause those were the only three schools I got accepted to were the three in Utah. And I applied to like 12. <laughs> and so I just was kind of was stuck with that decision. And so I was like studying for a, a test one day and I just kind of got, I just started thinking about stuff. And I like remembered a, a talk, like a little like talk that I'd heard a while back, like at church one time. And I was just like, I don't know why I'm thinking about this right now, but I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna listen to it. Like, why not? And then when I finished that talk, it's almost like, this is how I've described it to people before. It felt like my whole life, I was like putting together a puzzle upside down. And then all of a sudden I put in the last piece and I flipped it over. Like that moment was like, it was a big old switch. Like I didn't even know what I was kind of aiming towards. And then I, like when I listened to that, for some reason, something in my mind clicked and I'm a pretty logical person. And so something logical in my mind clicked for me. And I like flipped that puzzle over. And it's just like, I saw that anything that I had planned was like, I mean, obviously I'm a spiritual guy. So in like my inner spirit, I felt like this is where I'm, so this is what I'm supposed to do. And then there was kind of that switch. And then I, I went, I haven't really looked back since. So I feel like I'm kind of like winging life ever since that moment, just because nothing was going as planned. But, but that's when the, I really felt that like, that was when I was needing to, to go. And that's when I started deciding, okay, you know what, maybe that's what, maybe I'm, a mission is the right thing for me. And maybe actually caring about like yeah. Jesus and church and stuff like that's what, what's meant for, what's meant for me. Yeah, it's like that saying, you make plans and God laughs, right? Yeah, yeah. life changes, every, Thomas. You say Ray, that right? you're winging life now, but I feel like that's part of living. You know, every day is kind of, you just take that day. Yeah, yeah, take that take that day as it is, you know, whatever it may be. So I, I'm a little bit curious, are there any maybe traditional or modern Mormon beliefs that you either think that stick out to you as interesting or maybe you want to distance yourself from uh-huh yeah yeah so i mean some of the stuff in the history of, of any church really can get messy um there's there's things in, and i know in any church you'll find those types of things like there have been incidences i'm pretty sure it's a common knowledge that in the past they didn't give um african-american men the priesthood I know that's something that a lot of people ask me about while I was on my mission. They're like, what's up with that? Why would that happen? And the answer is, I don't, I don't know, honestly. But for me, it's, I believe in a living church and I believe that, that God, God changes and, and people are imperfect. And so there may have been mistakes made. Um, but the important thing is, 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 is the now. Um, 
another thing I think, honestly, like doctrine wise, for me, it kind of clicks and it makes sense. Um, but I think a lot of people uh, misinterpret what Jesus is supposed to be. Um, and they put him or peg him as this hater of sinners and hater of people who don't believe in him. Um, but one thing that I've just noticed is I've decided to actually make this something that instead of just believing what the church believes, just believing what I believe and finding what aligns with that, I find that I just believe that God, God loves people. It doesn't matter if you're black or white or gay or straight or whatever, guy or girl, like he doesn't care. He's not in a, a he doesn't care about that stuff. And, and I think if everybody who, I'm not saying my views are the perfect views, right? But I think if everybody understood, no matter what religion or lack of religion you are, if you just taught love, <laughs> the world would be a better place. And so that's what I believe. So I, I have a hard time sometimes with people within the church or within any church um, that start hating. Like that was one of the hardest things when I was on my mission. People would just tell me that I'm wasting my time for coming out and serving people. And I'm, there'd be times I'd get angry inside and I'd be like, you know what? I, like, I'd want to tell them like, go to hell, but I'd never say that. But I really did want, like I felt that. But it's like, that's not what Jesus is, in my opinion. And it's not what he should be, just because <laughs> that's not nice, you know? Yeah. yeah, if everyone just tried to be nice, then there'd be much less problems, right? Definitely. But so you, you, you mentioned there that you think a lot of people don't really understand what or who Jesus is, right? So in your mind, what is he? Is it just love, like you said, or what else? I think, I think he's love. And I think it's important to people get lost in trying to, what skin color does he have? Or what, where would he have lived? Or like, what, what did he mean when he said this? Or what did he, why did this happen in the Old Testament? Or why did a bunch of people die? And why is the world such a terrible place? And I think it's just to the root of it is it's love. And so, I mean, we can get caught up in those details, but sometimes I think those details are what take us away from what he actually is, you know? So I want to kind of segue off to something completely different topic i just i just found out recently a little bit more about the church's your the church's beliefs on extraterrestrials i didn't really realize that there is a belief that there are other planets with other humans i don't know if you know much about it but could you tell me about that or no yeah <laughs> yeah so honestly when it comes like the again like when it comes to like the basic of the doctrine that's not like the i mean that's not like the most central of things it's not something that's touched on it's not like you'll go to the church and you'll hear us talking about extraterrestrials um, but there have been church leaders in the past and that have mentioned things like that like they've mentioned that god is a god of more planets than just earth and that not they're not saying, oh, there's this many planets that have this many people with life in them, but it is a belief that there's other planets and that as a universal God um, and a God of the idea of infinity, um, who's to say that there's a cap on the number of humans and the number of worlds and the number of, of stars. So 
I think that's the end of which it's been talked about. I guess I should say anything else would just be my my own belief or my own interpretation. Um, but yeah, so I, what's, I'd say that. What, what's your own belief or interpretation? I'm curious. I believe that I believe that there's far more a lot more life out there than we'd ex actually expect. That's that's my personal belief. And it's just for me, it's just because of in, the idea of infinity and the an ever expanding universe and everything. It's just too big for there not to be. Yeah. So is there anything else you want to tell to somebody that either criticizes the Mormon lifestyle or is interested in it and intrigued by the idea of serving Christ and, and praying and for themselves and their community? I just say, remember, love each other and find, <clears throat> be open to, to other ideas right whether that's coming or directed to a mormon or to someone who's not mormon be open to other ideas because when we close ourselves off to other ideas that's where the contention comes in um the times that when i was on the mission that i felt like i felt like i didn't want to help a person it was because it started with contention and i was closed off to their ideas and they were closed off to mine and so when we open up and we we really listen we're, that's how we're going to find out what what we truly believe and that if we live off of based on based on what we believe, like we're going to be able to die one day and whether there's life after death, according to one person or not, we'll be able to be in those last couple of breaths and we'll be able to say, you know, what, I lived according to what I believed. And that's what that's what life's about, you know. Thank you so much for making it to the very end. I appreciate it much more than, you know. If you like this episode, be sure to find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and social media at The Weekly Pleb. And most importantly, have a great week.